Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like a robot, vicious, but capable of friendship. Today on the show, I wanted to talk about cognitive empathy. And this is something that I've kind of uniquely had to deal with. I shouldn't say uniquely, but um, there are, you know, there's a swath of, of the population that they don't feel like they're good at empathy. You know, people that are that don't naturally feel other people's emotions. And I, I definitely fall into this territory. I've had to learn a lot about people to understand them in more depth. And um, that's kind of helped me understand myself a little bit more as well. So I wanted to talk about cognitive empathy, what that means, how to achieve it, and um, you know where to go from there. So let's click the button and do the thing. All right. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Friday. You made it. You survived. You're still alive. You're still going. And that's great. I'm proud of you. Good job. Nice work. <laughs> um, it's funny because like me doing that sounds robotic, kind of like I'm pulling the string and I'm just like, nice work, everybody. Pull the string again. You're doing a good job. Pull string. You're doing the best you can. Pull string. I love you and your money. Um, so <laughs> uh, today I wanted to talk about cognitive empathy. And really it is like that kind of robotic feeling. Like there are people in life who are more of the robotic type. So if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs, I'm kind of talking more about like INTJs and INTP types. Uh, ISTPs can be a little bit more robotic too. It really kind of depends on, um, you know, what their maturity level is in life. But for the most part, me as an INTP, I have had kind of a low difficulty of understanding people and emotions. Uh, there are definitely types of people who I've spoken to that feel like they can walk into a room and they kind of understand people's emotions and where they are and where they're going. And I'm like, that sounds crazy to me. Like I've never experienced that. And I still don't. And I, I, again, sorry, I'm burping. I just finished my salad. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> going crazy. Um, but uh, over time, I've learned this thing called cognitive empathy, because for the most part, I haven't been able to understand a lot of people's emotions. Uh, this thing that I've had, well, basically, there's this good story from when I was a kid. Um, my parents were gathered around the dinner table. My sister, my older half-sister, was with us and we had some important news to share. Um, it was important, devastating news about my stepsister's mother who passed away um, violently, unfortunately. And, you know, the story was told that, um, that this happened and my reaction was more like observant. Like I kind of had a awkward, I almost kind of like chuckled a little bit. Like, I'm not really sure how to respond to this. Like, how do I, I've never experienced that kind of depth of emotion or loss or anything like that. So I didn't know what to do. And especially since like other people were crying, everybody was freaking out. I just felt awkward. I didn't know what to do. And it didn't mean that I was a sociopath and I didn't care. I just didn't know like what the appropriate response was. So I felt like that's a good example, an indicator of how I've kind of been the rest of most of my life is that 
I don't understand a lot of people's emotional responses because I don't typically have one. Um, I don't have, I, I usually end up using my like introverted thinking as a means to override my emotional responses. So for the most part, I haven't allowed myself to really like cry or like feel any kind of like emotional reaction to something. So like, I'm always amazed by people who are uh, like dudes who are like, yelling and screaming when they're angry or like, you know, when, when people just start like bawling and crying and getting emotional about like family and, bleh. <laughs> and I say it that way. Cause it like kind of sounds messy to me, but um, you know, to me, it, it's never been something I've connected with or related to, you know, there are people have been, you know, people are emotional. Um, another good example of it is uh, Molly and I were watching America's got talent and that is a very emotional show. <laughs> you find people come onto the show and they talk about their talents and they talk about the reason behind those talents. Um, you know, they were motivated by something and it's often emotional and someone's moved to tears while talking about it. And then the judges are crying and then like Tyra Banks is crying and her makeup is falling off. And like everyone in the audience is like, Oh my God. And like, to me, it's, it's hard. Like I don't, I look at it and I'm like, Oh, come on. <laughs> it makes me sound heartless and mean, but like, I can't relate to that level of, of emotion to me. That's like, I don't, I don't get it. All I see, I just see people crying and I understand, I understand at its base level that people are, are sad or they're moved or they're uh, motivated or whatever. But I have to, I have to think about the nuances of those kinds of emotions in terms of like language or connecting the dots between like their physical behavior to their emotional state. So another thing that's interesting about Molly and I's relationship is that I do have extroverted feeling when it comes to the Myers-Briggs scale, but it's lower on my cognitive stack. And it's something that, you know, when INTPs or like more robotic types get emotional, um, INTPs in particular, or ISTPs, we get very like whiny emotional. Cause we don't know what to like. We have no, um, no semblance of understanding of like how to be emotional. So it just all comes out in like a, <laughs> everything's just, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> you know, everything, it's just a freak out. It's like a, it's an equivalent of like a three-year-old child, uh, screaming for help. And, uh, that's what comes out to me, but for the most part, I never really allowed myself to get there. Uh, I've had that happen younger, uh, in my younger years in life, um, in relationships, especially when things got hard, I was never really good at navigating the emotional aspects of relationships. So what's interesting about Molly and I's relationship is that her and I are able to talk about the nuances of everything. So I'm able to use my introverted thinking and my, my more cognitive way of approaching the world to better understand how I can both navigate my emotions and share my emotions with her that I do have. I'm not robotic in the sense that I don't have emotions. I just, my ways of expressing them are kind of rudimentary and, um, and, and there's not a lot of nuance to them. I don't, I don't really understand all of the nuance, um, but she's able to kind of fill in a lot of those blanks and help me understand some of the nuances of what's going on. She'll ask me questions about my emotional state and kind of help me to, uh, relate to her emotions a little bit better. Or, or if I make a judgment about what's going on in someone's emotional state, she'll more likely be able to kind of push me in the right direction and understand 
some of the nuance of what's going on. Now she's more of an introverted feeler. So like not everything is, is able to be um, transcribed in, in a cognitive way. But what has been helping me is that ever since I was younger, I have been good at reading people in terms of their intentions, their next actions, um, you know, little hand movements or little facial tics or things like that. So I use that as a means to try to understand what someone's feeling or where they're going or, or what, what they want out of life. Um, it helped with poker. When I was younger, I started playing poker when I was like 19 years old and I could understand that someone was stressed out based on their emotions or, or rather based on their hand movements or their, uh, the way that they're speaking or things like that. So it's not about necessarily like feeling their emotions, but so much as like seeing the signs or hearing the signs and making those cognitive connections. And I think that same thing is kind of happening with feelers, but it happens to them so quickly that it sounds, it feels magical to them or it feels like, you know, spiritual in some sense. And I think it's just happening quicker. Whereas my focus and energy is so logical and slow and nuanced and trying to break down everything that um, it's a little bit more deliberate that my brain is trying to figure out all of the specific details. Cause I care about the details, but it seems like a commonality that I've noticed between like feeler types versus thinker types is thinkers will care a little bit more about the details and why those details are important. Whereas feelers are like, I get it. I don't need to deal with it. Like I understand it's fine. It's very like gist of things. It's, it's very like, I understand what's going on. I don't need to fill in the blanks. And you know, thinkers like to fill in the blanks because there's nuggets of beauty within those blanks. Um, so that's kind of how I approach emotions because I kind of, I like to understand people cognitively. I like to understand why someone is feeling a certain way and not necessarily caring about the emotions themselves. And, you know, it's kind of, again, interesting as like a person who's perceived as like a robotic type. Um, even my voice is kind of monotone. So it's kind of amazing that people like hearing me on a podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, for the most part, I, you know, I still struggle with connecting with people on emotional and on an emotional level, but it's been helpful to have someone who is a feeler type um, with me that can kind of help me guide through that because then I can really focus on that with her and it helps me navigate emotions with people, but also learn how to, uh, you know, not have to worry about it so much and find ways to inject it into my life in ways that are healthy. Um, I mean, really, honestly, ever since I've been with her, I've been better at like thanking people, which sounds like it sounds so crazy and rudimentary. But when you're, for me, I, I've had this issue of like, somebody will ask how my day is and I'll give like a simple statement and that's it. Like, I'm not really concerned about asking about their day because I genuinely don't, I don't care. So why would I ask? But, but I think that's because it's, it becomes more of an emotional thing than it becomes, than it is about like actually asking how someone's doing. It's about like an emotional quick check-in and saying like, you good? How's it going? And I like to do that more with people. You know, I like to check how people are doing. I like to see if they're good. I like to thank them for things. I like to make sure that I come on this podcast and express my emotional state to people and express things to friends when I'm proud of them, when I care about what they're doing. Um, I need to 
it, it's a very cognitive thing. So it is like kind of exhausting to have to be aware of that because it's just not natural for me to, to, to give that kind of emotional support. And it makes sense that throughout my life, I haven't received as much some emotional support because I haven't been able to give it as well. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of a, kind of a weird realization to have, is that, um, you know, I haven't probably gotten as much as of depth of support as I would like, because I haven't been cognitive, cognitively aware of how to give it. And, um, so lately I've been more so embracing the fact that I need to do this, that this is my way of connecting with people. This is why I've learned more about Myers-Briggs because it's allowed me a framework to understand the bits and pieces of how people work and who they are. And I can kind of go into a conversation with someone and be like, okay, these are more most likely, I'm not saying it's going to be a specific thing, but I'm saying it's, this is most likely what is going to be important to you based on what I know about Myers-Briggs and what I know about your type or your personality or whatever. So all of that to say that like learning more about personality types has allowed me to connect with people in a way that I likely wouldn't before. Like I, I, I feel like I've been stumbling through life. Like I was so confused through school, um, especially like elementary school, middle school, high school, high school, especially because everyone was so concerned about each other, like socially. And I just didn't care. I was like, why is like, you guys are like 11 years old. Why are you trying to kiss each other? Like, I don't, what is going on? Or or why are you so concerned about someone being a jerk to you? Or why are you so concerned with why someone feels a certain way about you or why someone says something about you? Like, I didn't understand that. And now I understand that even more because a lot of that translates to adulthood. You know, people are, a lot of people are still like that. Um, They never found a way to train their train themselves out of that or you know they just can't help it because it's a part of their personality type and each personality type has opportunities to grow and strengthen their cognitive functions but having for me to understand more about how people think in terms of cognitive functions in terms of Myers-Briggs types has allowed me to better understand and be more forgiving of people for the way that they approach life and the way that they think and um, you know, and not be so avoidant of people. Because I think if I read a book, I I read a book called the INTP quest, um, which was by the, I think his name is Alan. He's the, he runs personalityjunkie.com, And uh, he has a lot of really, really great articles. He's also an INTP. So that made it an extra good read because even at the start of it, he's like, I'm also an INTP. So just letting you know that there's probably a hint of bias in here and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, I love that. Um, but at some point in the book, he, he, he talked about all of that. He talked about a lot of the, um, the nuances of, of navigating social situations and caring and not caring and all that stuff. I think at a point and I lost it, but that's okay. Um, so, uh, oh yeah. Okay. The, at some point in the book, he talked about, um, SF types, which are typically very emotional. They're very needy for lack of a better term. And SF types can be 
you know, kind of frustrating to navigate for someone who is a very cognitive type, but understanding a little bit more of who they am, who they, who they am, who they are, who they am, where, where did that come from? Who they are, um, you know, gives me a little bit of room to be a little bit more forgiving of who they are. Like I know an ESFP and she's one of my favorite people in the world and understanding what causes stress for different types and knowing which situations to like be in or which ones to get out or, or knowing what they need to get out of stress has been helpful for me to be able to navigate how to help them in that sense. You know, SF types, because of that quote unquote neediness, um, you know, they just need a lot more affirmation, a lot more encouragement. And while again, that sort of thing is exhausting for my type of personality, uh, just simply being aware of that is a good way to start because maybe not even just yourself satiating that, but you can find a way to help them satiate that as well. Um, through, through like a different lens, you know, you could point them to someone or a therapist or, uh, you know, saying you'll probably get along with this person better than you would with me <laughs> or something like that, you know, and, and for me learning how to navigate certain types in certain ways um, and at certain times, you know, and, and allowing myself to be exposed to different types, but not necessarily, you know, to, and to not hide from them. So, you know, that's been good for me. It's been good for me to expand my horizons and connect with different people in different ways and to be able to be there for them in ways that I know how, but also, acknowledge my limitations and to let people know that, um, that if they, they need some love in a way that I can't provide, then I can point them in the right direction. So, um, and you know, learning about that stuff has helped me with my past and my relationships and really kind of breaking down and understanding the nuances of everything. Cause you know, my ex-wife, she's most likely an ISFJ and, um, you know, that, that made our connection points difficult. Um, I didn't have the chance to grow. I think I would be uh, better now understanding, but, you know, it doesn't mean that she would. It doesn't mean that we would connect better in any kind of way. Um, it just means that it's helped me kind of understand what went wrong within that relationship in that context. There's more things that went wrong, of course. But, um, you know, it, it allows me to be more forgiving of a lot of little things that, that normally I would be like, what the fuck? Like, ah, <laughs> um, but now I, now I get it. Now I understand more. And I understand that it's something that she or anyone else who has been, you know, is an SF type or, or, or a different, a feeler type that, that is working through more emotions, um, gives me more, uh, forgiveness and room to, to have that cognitive empathy to, to give them room to breathe and room to work through those emotions. Cause that's something they need to do. Um, and I need to work through emotions too. And I need to find ways to continue to, uh, express that in a healthy way. So, um, that's really it. Yeah. That's everything I can think of right now, um, to talk about. So in terms of cognitive empathy are, have you dealt with any kind of difficulties? I want to know if you're typically seen as a robotic type? Are you certain of your emotions? Um, or are you someone that has a little bit of trouble relating to people in what ways? Um, please give me a call in on anchor or hit me up at rival my design on all the social channels, um, Instagram or 
Twitter is probably the better place to ask me a quick question. And um, especially if you call in on Anchor, I could probably put it on the show and we can we can have that dialogue. So that would be cool. This was a, a fun show. Um, this is the, the end of my recordings for this week, so I'm exhausted. I'm ready to sit. <laughs> um, but I hope you guys have a good weekend. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And a quick reminder that the podcast course for absolute for absolute beginners, absolute for absolute beginners is available at cnote.thinkific.com. It is a podcast course about everything you need to know about podcasting from conception to execution. It's everything that I've learned about podcasting over the past few years. Um and it's not only just about technical setup and thinking about um, you know, what your podcast should be, but it's about using podcasting as a personal development tool and thinking about your insecurities and thinking about your voice and thinking about your name and your brand voice and your marketing and your brand and your strategy and your sponsors and, and your guests and why you're doing this and your mission and your goals and why those things are different. So there's, there's a lot to break down. There's a lot to talk about. So cnote.thinkific.com to check out the podcast course. Let me know what you think. And if you have any questions, please feel free to hit me up. So with that, I hope you guys have a good weekend, good day. Take care of yourselves and each other. Love you guys. Peace out, homes. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine. I really appreciate it. If you thought this was a dope show, then you should wait until next week. But also while you wait, you should go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a positive review. Positive reviews help me to uh, fill up my dopamine tank. Otherwise, you can send your friends to dopamine.life to listen to the show or hi, my name is Christian.com to get the latest updates. I'll catch you later. Baby, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend. Oh, you know you got me going off your dopamine. All I really need, all I need is for you to put me on to the recipe. Yeah. Ooh, purple flowers, candy showers, sandy air. Yeah. You dance for hours as I watch from overhead. It's on my team. You got me going off your dopamine. Yeah, it's on my team. You got me going off your dopamine.